And welcome tonight, uh, all of you, to our Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship. And uh, welcome to those watching church online tonight. God bless you. And thank you for participating in our Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship. You know, this is the 11th week. Isn't it amazing how fast time flies? For 11 weeks, we have been coming together consistently each week. We've been praying together. We've been seeking God's face, not just his hand, but we've been seeking his face together. We have been committing to turn from our wicked ways. We have humbled ourselves and prayed. We have recognized and admitted our dependence upon him in this life and in the life to come. And together, we, we've not only been doing that here, but we've been doing it together with those around the world, those of you who have been praying. God bless you. Thank you for praying. Others we've heard about in our community and all across the nation, many churches, many prayer groups have joined with us and uh, placed it in, in the workplace, also in homes. And let me tell you, God uh, meant it. He was serious when he said to Abraham, if I could just find 10 righteous people, in Sodom and Gomorrah, I would not deliver my judgment. I would give them reprieve. I would give them another chance. God was serious about that, but he could not find even 10 righteous. And the Bible says that even that one righteous man, Lot, though he was a righteous man, yet the Bible says he was vexed. That means he was confused because of all the unrighteousness that surrounded him. But the Bible called him righteous but confused. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? What in the world could it mean? I'm not teaching on that at the moment, uh, but last week we talked about righteousness, and I wanted to talk about Lot so bad, but I didn't have an opportunity to put him into our uh, mix of the teaching. Uh, but uh, read about him, if you would, whenever you uh, get an opportunity. The Bible in the New Testament declares him a righteous man, but a man who was confused. He was vexed, the Bible says in the King James. The New King James says confused. He was righteous but confused. That means this, that in his heart he was right with God. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. He trusted God. By faith he knew God. He trusted in God's grace. But being surrounded day after day, the Bible says, by so much sin and so much carnal uh, uh, goings-on in his life there in Sodom and Gomorrah, it was confusing to him. He was having a difficult difficult time of making sense of it all. He was, he was, you know, uh, not perfect by the way, but he was righteous. There is a difference between being perfect and being forgiven and being perfect and being righteous. He was right with God in his heart and by faith he trusted God, but yet he was in a vexed, uh, 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 season, a confused season of life because all that he saw going on around him affected him. Don't think for one moment that, that the things which are going on around you in this world don't affect you. They do. You know, what we tolerate today becomes the norm tomorrow. In our world, we, we know what is right, we know what is wrong, but yet we entertain so much that is wrong, trying to call it right because we don't want to quit it. Whether it's as a nation, a community, a church, a family, an individual, 
or the world. And it's important to realize that you can have your heart right with God and still be struggling with what others are doing and getting by with. In fact, the Bible has the question, why in the world do the wicked prosper? It's confusing to see why God allows so much wickedness and so many wicked people, it seems like, uh, to prosper. But, you know, the book of Malachi says, basically, I'll paraphrase this, that it's not over with yet. Okay? God has not finished yet. Don't think that everything is through yet. We have a long way to go before God gets finished, and he is giving everyone opportunity. He gives the lost opportunity to be saved, and he gives the saved an opportunity to walk in his best plan for their life. Now, tonight, we're going to be looking at a very uh, important uh, doctrine of the church, a doctrine of what, you know, uh, a teaching uh, describing what we believe about water baptism. Okay, uh, tonight, life shape prayer discipleship block eleven, water baptism. And you can turn in your Bibles if you're following along to Matthew chapter three. Uh, Matthew chapter three tells us a story of Jesus, an account of Jesus, the record of the Son of God being water baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River when Jesus was about 30 years old. Okay? So let's read it, Matthew 3, beginning in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent Jesus from doing this. John had a problem. You see, he knew this was Messiah. He knew this was the Son of God. He knew this was the anointed to come. And he had a, a, a problem, okay? How in the world could John the Baptist, seeing himself, how could he be worthy to baptize the Son of God? And so John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus presents himself to John the Baptist, this forerunner, this spirit of Elijah, if you will, there to be baptized by him in the Jordan. And, and John the Baptist uh, is concerned because he knows this is Messiah and feels unworthy to baptize. And Jesus said, wait, suffer this, allow this, let this be. We must fulfill the whole plan of God. And so John baptizes him. And then the Bible says Jesus immediately coming up from the water. Jesus had to go down into the water to come up from the water. Please do not uh, take 
Hollywood's assessment of this baptism. Please do not just uh, take, you know, the movies you have seen or the portrayals of this happening. Jesus went down into the water. He had to so that he could come up from the water, up out of the water, if you would. And suddenly, the Bible says, uh, well, the, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, lighting on him, and then suddenly there was a voice from heaven identifying him to the whole world as the Son of God. John knew it. Now the whole world is hearing it from the voice of heaven. You see, water baptism is an outward sign of an inward conviction. When, if followed by faith, it releases great power and great witness. Let me say that again. Water baptism is an outward sign of an inward conviction. That's what Jesus, you know, Jesus had an inward conviction. Jesus had a conviction in his spirit that he should be water baptized. And it was an outward sign of this inward conviction that he had. And when Jesus followed this inward conviction by faith, Great release from heaven, a release of power and a release of witness from heaven. The witness saying, this is my beloved son, and the power from the Spirit of God in the form of a dove descending upon him. Great power and great witness is released through water baptism. It's an outward sign. And every time through the scriptures, both Old Testament and New, that we observe a water baptism, we see a great release of witness and power from heaven. Baptism is immersion. Okay? Let me explain what this word baptism literally portrays. The picture of water baptism is as though that you would, you would take a pearl and drop it into a barrel of oil. And as that pearl slowly descends into that barrel of oil, when it gets in the middle, in, in the very middle, completely engulfed and fully surrounded by this oil, you can then say that the pearl is baptized in oil. That's water baptism. It is immersion. There are several baptisms spoken of in the Word of God. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's baptism in Christ. There's baptism of deliverance, of repentance. Many baptisms. Every time it is talking about a complete engulfing, a absolute surrounding, an immersion into. And when water is used, it is a going down into the water. Whether or not we are talking about uh, the, the baptism that God gave the earth. You may remember in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 beginning there and following. In both day 2 and day 3 of creation, God used water. And when water was then, the earth baptized by water and drawn back into the seas and the rivers and the pools and the lakes... Then the earth brought forth great power and great witness came after water baptism. Whether we're talking about the second day of creation or whether we're talking about the flood of Noah in Noah's day, the flood was a great baptism, a great baptism of cleansing, a great baptism after which great power and great witness were released from heaven. 
We can also look at the crossing of the Red Sea. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us it was likened unto a baptism that all the children of Israel were baptized with Moses under the cloud, a Holy Spirit baptism, and in the sea, a water baptism. As they crossed through the sea, God counted it as water baptism. And after water baptism, immediately after water baptism, the cloud of God's presence representing the power of God and also great witness from heaven in that manna began the day after to fall from heaven as a witness upon them coming through that water baptism, a great release from heaven of power and of witness. We continue through the word of God with with baptisms, uh, looking at the children of Israel crossing the Jordan River some 40 years later, another sign of baptism, another place where God used water to bring people through the water into a place of great witness and great power and great release from heaven. We also see uh, in, in, in this crossing of the Jordan that those who were not baptized in the Red Sea were then baptized in the Jordan. We find another man in the Old Testament, a man filled with leprosy, baptized in order to see the power and the witness of God released from heaven. We see Naaman, who was a leper, who came to the prophet in Israel and was told to go and dip himself in the river Jordan seven times, which he did not wish to do, but ended up following. And as he followed through, there he was cleansed. Great power and great witness did he give to this cleansing through water baptism. We follow water baptism all the way through the Word of God to find Jesus being baptized in the Jordan and to find sometime later an evangelist named Philip who was told to go and witness to one Ethiopian eunuch. And as he is witnessing to him, there they find water. Upon receiving Jesus, the witness of Christ, and believing in Jesus as Messiah, the Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip, what hinders me to be baptized? Here's water. And Philip said nothing. And they went down into the water. And when the Ethiopian eunuch was come up out of the water, he did not see Philip anymore. Philip had been called away by the Spirit of God. Great release of power, great release of witness comes at water baptism. And it came upon that eunuch and came upon Philip as well. When the eunuch came up out of the water again immersion into the water coming up to find Philip gone we also see Cornelius and his family water baptized great release this centurion who was neither a Jew nor a Christian yet he prayed and sought God in Acts the 10th chapter and as a result water baptized because he had believed in Jesus Christ and there great release of power great release of witness at water baptism baptism. All these were baptized in water by the will of God. You see, baptism opens the heavens to the believer in new and wonderful ways. Water baptism opens the heavens to believers in very wonderful and very new and wonderful ways. It did it for the earth in creation. It did it for Noah. It did it for Israel. It did it for Naaman. It did it for Jesus. And it will do it for you. 
water baptism. Water baptism is a covenant. It is, it is the place where we, with an outward expression of an inward conviction, make a covenant as an act of our will by choice. It is a covenant act of identification. In the United States and in many Western countries, we do not see it so much as identification. But if we were to go into some of the Eastern countries and some of the polytheistic cultures, we would find that this point of water baptism is the point of identifying yourself with Christ, with the church, with Jehovah Almighty, and separating yourself as a covenant act, identifying with Jesus as Messiah, and separating yourself from all other gods. That's what this covenant of water baptism signifies. Jesus was not water baptized so that he could become the Son of God. Jesus was already the Son of God. Jesus was already a child of God. Jesus did not go through water baptism so that he could become the Son of God. He went through water baptism because he was the Son of God, and it was required of God that he fulfill all the plan of God. It did not make him the Son of God, but through water baptism, heaven identified him as the Son of God. It's the same way today. Water baptism will not make you a Christian. Water baptism will not make you a believer. Water baptism will not make you a child of God. Water baptism will not make you a saint. Water baptism will not make you a member of the church. Water baptism is a point of identification. It's a point where we identify with Christ as our Lord and Savior, and at other times we identify perhaps with a church. Some denominations will have you water baptized in their denomination to identify you as a Baptist or to identify you as a member of the Church of Christ or to identify you as a Catholic. But water baptism is a covenant act by choice, it is an outward sign of an inward conviction. It is what we do by faith to identify ourselves with Christ as a covenant act. It publicly identified Christ as the Son of God. It was at the point of water baptism that God chose to open the heavens and declare him as Messiah. Water baptism, as I said, cannot save. Water baptism cannot secure in and of itself. For it's not the washing away of the filth of the flesh, the Bible says. But water baptism does provide a cleansing of a conscience 
toward God. Jesus said, allow this to be so because we must fulfill the plan of God. Jesus, in all good conscience, could not go without water baptism and still feel as though that he had fulfilled the whole plan of God. And the Bible says the same thing to us, that water baptism is a cleansing of our conscience to fulfill what God has desired, that we identify with Him in this outward sign of an inward conviction, in a covenant of identification with Christ and Christ alone. And so for that, God opens the heavens at this point, not to bring salvation, not to make someone a child of God, but we get water baptized because we are a child of God. We do not get water baptized to get saved. We are water baptized because we have been saved and we wish to publicly identify ourselves in a covenant act, an outward display of an inward conviction. And for that, God opens the heavens in new and wonderful ways. Power and witness become available in greater dimension. Jesus uh, knew this. He followed the course of God and set an example for us. Water baptism as well recognizes the death of our old and the birth of something new. Water baptism is likened to a grave for our old man and a place where we are resurrected to walk in the newness of Christ. Water baptism, the Bible tells us, is a place where something new can take place. Whether it was in the days of creation, something new because of the baptism of water. Whether it's something new with the children of Israel coming across the Red Sea. Something new for Naaman the leper. Something new for the Ethiopian eunuch. Something new for Cornelius. Something new for Jesus. Jesus was immediately led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and began a new day in his life at age 30, began his ministry immediately after water baptism. Water baptism declares a resurrection of something, a beginning of something new as it does for believers, a new day, a new life. It recognizes the death of the old. It recognizes the end of the old, the finish of the old, and the beginning of the new. That's the way it was when the children of Israel left the bondage of Pharaoh. They got to the Red Sea and they were not yet free from the enemies of their past until they crossed the Red Sea. Then the Bible says, as their enemies attempted to pursue them into their new day, the waters closed upon them. You see, what was deliverance for the children of Israel in water baptism became a grave to their enemies, a grave to the old, and a resurrection to the new water baptism. Our key scripture for tonight is Acts, the second chapter, verse 38. In Acts 2, verse 38, the Bible says, Then Peter said to them, Repent 
and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see that phrase, for the remission of sins? Whole doctrines and denominations have been built on this one phrase. No one scripture, no one phrase, no one word can tell the whole story. For the remission of sins. This word for is a Greek word, ice, E-I-S. It's pronounced ice. It not only means for in many ways that we would recognize it, but it also means, and in this connotation, because of. In proper reading, we would read this so that it would agree with the whole doctrine and the whole counsel of the whole Bible, the one story that God tells. We must read this as it is written, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because of the remission of sins. And you will also receive the gift. You should also. It's a commandment. Receive. Also, you should receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Follow along with me in this thought. If you saw a wanted poster for Jesse James, Jesse James wanted for robbery. Well, do they want him so that he can commit a robbery? No, they want him because he did commit a robbery. They do not want him so that he can. They want him because he did. It's the same for. Jesse James wanted for robbery, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins because your sins have been forgiven. It indicates an action of the past, not an action of the future. Okay. Our important points for tonight... Uh, here are our important points. This is what we should have learned from tonight. Water baptism is immersion. Okay? That's clear from the whole counsel of God's Word. Point number two. Water baptism is an act of obedience which follows salvation. Okay? Read throughout the Scriptures. Water baptism follows salvation. Number three. Water baptism is identification with Christ. It is the place where we make a covenant act of identification. Number four, water baptism cleanses our conscience toward God. It puts our mind at peace that we have fully followed God's plan. It cleanses our conscience, the Bible says, of a sin consciousness. There is a power released to wash away the consciousness of sins that are past. Number five, water baptism is the burial of our old man and the resurrection of our new. And number six, water baptism quiets the haunting enemies of our past. Water baptism is a grave for the enemies of your past. Pastor Ken. And that next step, as we've heard tonight, is water baptism. It's a very important step in the life of every believer. It doesn't cleanse us from outward, uh, outward uh, defilement, but it cleanses us in the sense of giving us a good answer of a good conscience towards God because of our obedience to Him.
And it also gives us a point where we declare in a public manner that we are believers. As Dr. Hammond said earlier, in many countries, when you approach the point of baptism as a believer in Jesus, that is often a very uh, point of separation where you can be rejected by your own culture and by your own family because you've taken such a public step to declare your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We were buried uh, with, with Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer enslaved to sin. And so water baptism is a perfect picture of dying, of being buried with Jesus and dying to our old man and bearing that under the water, and then rising to walk in newness of life, empowered by the Holy Spirit. As you heard Dr. Hammonds talk about how the Holy Spirit comes and the heavens are opened, and God begins this wonderful declaration of, of his, of his uh, witness to your obedience to his word and to the gospel of Christ. And again, we are not baptized to become Christians. We are baptized because we believe in Jesus and we display that witness in a public fashion through water baptism. And by baptism, we're also identified then with the body of Christ. And it declares that our, our, our allegiance, so to speak, is, is with even a local expression of the body of Christ, not just with the church universal, but also with a local church and a local pastor or a local leadership. We're joining our lives together, just as the children of Israel, as a group, went through uh, the Red Sea and were, were buried, so to speak, and then rose to walk in newness of life, and their old men was buried as the seas closed over Pharaoh and his chariots. They, they were separated from their enemies because of the water, and, and God wants to bring that beautiful separation between us and our old ways and, and help us to uh, embrace a new way and a new uh, way of living. You know, God has a great plan, and, and uh, I want to encourage you today, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus and you've never experienced water baptism or perhaps you were baptized as a as an infant, and uh, you've you've now come to a place of faith as an adult, and and you realize that you need to take that next step into declaring your faith in a public manner to Jesus, and and uh, and to the world. Then I want to encourage you to to uh, find a local church and or find a creek and a pastor or another believer, and that you're that's uh, over you in the Lord that. Uh, can lead you in the waters of baptism and and then pray for the Holy Spirit to, to come upon your life in a, in a brand new way. I just pray today that the Holy Spirit will just lead you and bring you into a, a new level of discipleship and surrender to Jesus Christ. And may God bless you as you choose to continue to lay these foundational blocks of truth in your life every week. As you take every step and you lay the next level of foundation of truth in your life. And before you know it, you'll know that you're building your life on something wonderful and solid. The truth as it is in Jesus Christ. So today, follow our key scripture. 
Repent of your sins. Be baptized with a view to the fact that your sins are forgiven and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God love you today. God bless you today. And I pray the Lord Jesus Christ will send his bountiful blessings upon your life as you continue to be his faithful disciple and to follow him in bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. God bless you tonight.